All right. Do you have a few announcements? Uh, first of all, men, I hope that you are packed and ready to go. Your men's camp is this week, July 28th through the 30th. And next Tuesday, um, remember that we are going to have our midweek service on Tuesday. Uh, we will be canceling Wednesday because Brother Booker, our district superintendent, is going to be ministering to us. So you don't want to miss that. Mend prayer on August 13th. That's also going to be a uh, breakfast. So be here at 8 o'clock on August 13th. And then just a reminder that our Move the Mission deadline is August 21st. Hallelujah. Let's move the mission.
you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I am so thankful. I can lean on you. I can trust in you. There is nothing to fear. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, that you are a prayer answering God. Hallelujah, Jesus, that we can come to you anytime. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
King we serve today. Praise God. Praise God. He's so worthy. He's so awesome. He's so wondrous. He loves us, folks. If we knew anything about who God really is, how wondrous and how exalted and how, how transcendent He is, we begin to realize what a miracle it is that God even knows who I am, let alone loves me enough to hang on a cross and die in my place. Parents sometimes joke with their kids and say, I brought you into this world, I can take you back out, make another one just like you. Well, Jesus Christ literally can't do that. He can't take me out and, and make someone a whole lot better than I am. But He doesn't. He restored me. He didn't make a better version of me. He restored me. And He's bringing me to the place where He sees me as. He created me to be. What a wondrous God. What an amazing God we serve. I am so thankful for the God of my salvation this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You could be seated for just a moment. Thank you all so very much for being here. I don't have names for our visitors, but thank you so very much for being here today. Amen. We are excited to have you. God bless you. I pray that God ministers to your needs here this morning. Amen. Praise God. Uh, before we get started, uh, just a couple of announcements, kind of last minute that didn't make it in, uh, and that's my bad. Uh, uh, my wife and I came in yesterday, and the, the door downstairs was unlocked. So uh, just a, a friendly reminder that if you're going to come here for whatever it is, cleaning or, or maintenance or whatever it is, uh, you have a key. Just make sure that everything's locked up and secured before you leave. Amen. Uh, my wife mentioned men's camp. Uh, those that are coming to men's camp, those that are going to be there, uh, please meet me up here immediately following service uh, so we can arrange rides and, and kind of plan out the logistics of that. Amen. Uh, I was made aware that... Uh, the camp videos from Families Camp this year is, is available to us on YouTube for free. Uh, you just have to go to Media Missions of Wisconsin. They're on YouTube, and you can see the camp videos. Uh, my understanding is that there's a couple years' worth now out there, uh, and they're awesome. Awesome, awesome messages. Amen. So avail yourselves of that. We don't have to order the DVDs and wait six to eight weeks and pay 20 bucks or whatever it was. Uh, we can just go out there right now if we wanted to, but please don't right now. Um, <clears throat> you could, but please don't. <laughs> Amen. But but do that. They're awesome messages. I was only able to make a couple of them, but uh, they're amazing, amazing messages. Tailor-made for the times that we're in here today. <clears throat> Amen. Before we get started, uh, I do want to talk just a little bit. Uh, about tradition. And uh, we've heard, and I agree, that we should not uh, hold for doctrine 
the traditions of men. Okay? <clears throat> there are doctrines in the Word of God that we find, and they are the Word of God. They are from God, and those are things that we need to adhere to no matter what. They do not change. They will never change. I promise you, Holy Ghost is my witness as, as much as I am able, as long as I remain pastor here. They will not change. They will continue to be preached here. The truths of God. No matter what's going on out there, uh, they will continue to be preached and taught here. Amen. But traditions are, uh, you know, they're programs. They're, they're, they're ways of accomplishing the, uh, the Great Commission. And although we can't take them as doctrine, at the same time, I, I read in Scripture that we should not remove the old landmarks which our fathers have set. Okay? So, what I mean by that is that although we, you know, our culture is changing. It is. The culture we have today is not the same culture we had 50 years ago. What worked 50 years ago is not necessarily going to work for us today. Okay? So, in that aspect, yes. Uh, when, we, when I meet a tradition, I am very hesitant to just change that for any, as one guy said, light or transient reasons. Uh, I don't think that we should just willy-nilly throw everything out and start from scratch. I, I think our forefathers, I think the elders that, that, whose shadow we live under, who gave us these doctrines, I think they need to be considered. I think they need to be considered prayerfully because they did. We see the end of the story. We see what we received from them. But what we don't see and what we sometimes don't consider is that they prayed over these decisions. They discussed, sometimes probably argued, these decisions. They were confused. They had doubts. They, they weren't sure which way to go sometimes. And we don't see any of that. All we see is, you know, they, they stood up at a conference or they stood up at a meeting and, and gave this ruling or said that, and, and now that's how we do things. But we don't see what happened behind the scenes. When you and I today face issues, we're facing issues today that they never would have even considered. Good or bad or indifferent, that's the way it is. Uh, we're facing issues today that they didn't have to face. They faced issues back then that we're not facing today. So the things that worked for them are, by and large, what we're doing here now. Will it continue to work for us in the future? Maybe, maybe not. If it does, well, I'm generally of the opinion, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if something will work better, I also am of the opinion that we can always do things better. More efficiently, more effectively. Nothing wrong with that. And if we can, we should adopt some of those things. Now, like I said before, traditions have been given, given to us from our elders. But if the time comes where we need to change some of those traditions, they should be changed. But not for the reason of throwing out tradition. 
Not for the reason of, well, we're the new generation. We're going to do things different. We're going to do things better than our elders did. Uh, Those kinds of attitudes are not going to serve us either. But if we do modify or change or even throw out a tradition, I feel like we should do it extremely carefully and prayerfully. And we need to consider at depth, at length, why this tradition is here in the first place. And if, after those things, we see that, well, this just isn't going to work for us anymore, then we can enter into different discussions and different prayers about which way we feel like the Lord is leading us. I guess in short, I have no problem modifying or changing those things that we consider tradition, but I want to I want us to make sure that it's not done. I want to make sure it's done properly, prayerfully, and for the right reasons. At the same time, I value the traditions that we've received. I think that at least when I came into church, these traditions served us well. Is meeting in a church building found in the book of Acts? Of course it's not. Does it work for us here in the United States? I feel like it does. At least right now. Now, I also feel like that could change here pretty quick. And if it does, we need to be ready to adapt. The doctrine will not change. The methods of proclaiming that doctrine might. Fifty years ago... (laughs) No one would have guessed we'd be live streaming our services. Here we are. <clears throat> so let's just let's take everything in context. There are ministers uh, in our organization, in other organizations, turning in their licenses because of one thing or another. And some of the reasons given are because, well, people are throwing out traditions. Or people are doing this, or people are doing that. Some of it, of course, is I no longer agree with the doctrine. (laughs) However, let me say it another way. This format would not work in communist China. The format they have in communist China, I don't know if it would work here. Is one better than the other? Of course it's not. It's just adapted to the circumstance, the situation. Now, in a few years, if our government (laughs) keeps heading the way it is, and we start getting laws coming down saying that we can't meet together anymore, their model may work better now. We're still going to meet. We're still going to worship. We're still going to preach the truth. But it might happen differently. Whether we meet in a church building or we meet at house to house or if we meet online, I guess at the end of the day, we all have our preferred method. I prefer getting together. I love seeing you guys. I love talking face to face. I hate talking to people on the phone. I can't see your face. I can't see your reaction. I want to see what my words are doing to you. I can't tell that. I can't tell that when I'm, when I'm listening to you on the phone or 
God forbid, on a text message. I almost always misread those things. Oh, he sounds angry. What did I do? What did I say? He's not angry. He's just driving down the road and he can't. He's really short. Okay, send. <clears throat> so, anyway, uh, I felt the need to talk about that. I love tradition. I'm not married to it. No. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I am married to doctrine. I am married to truth. And however we can get that across, that's what we're going to do. Amen. All right. Exodus chapter 21, verses 2 through 6 says this. Exodus chapter 21, verses 2 through 6. And then we're going to jump all the way to Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. Exodus 21, 2 through 6, and then Romans 13, 11 and 12. Amen. Thank you, Brother DeMuth, for your excellent teaching this morning. Awesome. I loved, I loved the first Bible study that I was a part of. I absolutely ate it up. Like Brother DeMuth, I was like, why have I never heard any of this before? I was born and raised in church. I had never heard any of that. Nothing. Nothing of that. I was hooked. I love teaching Bible studies. Because I think Brother DeBooth mentioned this in an earlier lesson. You don't learn so much as you do when you're teaching. When you teach, you learn at least as much as your student does. And I love learning. Exodus chapter 21, 2-6 says, If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve. And in the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. And then Romans thirteen eleven and 12 says this, And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. We'll preach for the remaining time here this morning on this topic, the slumbering servant. The slumbering servant. Amen. Let's pray one more time and ask the Lord to bless His service here today. Lord Jesus, we love You. We worship and we praise You. We thank You for this opportunity You've given us to gather together in the presence of Almighty God and in the presence of each other to worship and to praise, to give thanks to receive all that You have for us here today. I pray, Lord, that Your mighty name would be glorified, that all of Your heart, all of Your mind would be manifest here in our midst today. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Praise God. 
Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated today. There's this idea that we have as United States citizens, and it's been mentioned before, probably will be again, that we have inherent, inalienable rights. Now, these rights cannot be infringed upon. Now, as far as our United States government is concerned, that's absolutely true. It is true. We do have certain rights as United States citizens, and we should fight to retain them. Absolutely. However, the kingdom of God is not a constitutionally federated republic. The United States is. Again, we are not a democracy. We were never meant to be a democracy. Maybe more on that later. Uh, In any case, this is not a democracy. That's mob rule. Whenever you hear democracy, think mob rule. We are not mob rule. The kingdom of God, however, is not any of that. It is a dictatorship. It is a monarchy. It is a theocracy. The Lord is in charge, and we are here to serve Him. Now, that rubs people the wrong way sometimes. Why? In other cultures, I can imagine it's probably not as hard a pill to swallow as it is for us in the United States for the sole reason that we grew up on the Constitution. We grew up on the Declaration of Independence. We grew up on uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, self-made men, uh, rugged individualism. We grew up on these things. Our nation was founded on these kinds of principles and the Word of God. But they kind of got amalgamated together. This nation wasn't solely founded on the Word of God. It was founded on individualism. It was founded on freedom above everything else, including religious freedom, which we celebrate. I'm not sure that God celebrates that. I don't see in the Old Testament where he was very tolerant (laughs) of other religions. Now, I'm not saying that we should act like some and serve God or die. I don't think we should do that either. It's a choice, of course. But when the choice is made, when I decide to say yes to that covenant agreement, when I sign my name on the dotted line, I am signing away my rights. I am signing away my ability to argue for my own position now. I don't have a position anymore. God has His position. And that's what I'm seeking. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to see manifest here in this economy. Is His position. His will. His kingdom. Not mine. His to the expense of everything that I have. So when I hear terms, when I hear people say things or ask questions like, well, why do I have to do that? Well, why do I have to stop doing this? Why do you have to be so strict? When I hear those kinds of questions, that's indicative of something, isn't it? 
That's indicative of a me-first attitude. We are called to be servants. We are called to serve our Master, the Lord of glory. He is not here to serve me. He did serve me. And He does in in that He takes care of all of my needs. He provides for me. He, He loves me. He cares for me. He saves me every day. But His purpose for existing is not to serve me. My purpose is to serve Him with my life, everything He's given me. That's my purpose. I don't have a self-purpose anymore. I signed that away when I entered into a covenant relationship with Him. I am not my own anymore. I am bought with a price. So when I ask questions like, well, why do I have to do this? Why can't I do that? You know, there's this idea in our churches that I just want to get as close to the world as I can and still make it to heaven. What kind of, what is in here that makes me want to get anywhere close to the world at all? There's something in here that is not of God. God says, if I'm a friend of the world, I'm in enmity with God. I can't have both. There is, you know, we want to ride the fence. We want to just, I want, I want to have my fun in the world here as much as possible, but I still want to, what, serve Jesus? You still want to what? You still want to make it to heaven. You don't want to go to hell. That's fair. I don't either. But at some point, folks, my fear of of hell, my my desire to escape hell, needs to be replaced with something else. That's a fair enough place to start. That's where I started. I don't want to go to hell. But at some point, that was replaced where rather than serve God because I don't want to go to hell, I serve Him because I love Him. I want to please Him. Is this pleasing Him? No, it's pleasing me. And that's my intent, right? I want to please me. Well, if I please me, can I please God? Not ultimately, no. No. In a perfect scenario, here's here's the perfect scenario. What pleases me also pleases God. How about that? That sounds pretty good. Now, I'm happy. That's what you're into. Happy. God's happy. Everyone's happy. A good friend of mine told me here recently, yeah, yeah, God's not concerned with your happiness. And that's true. He's like, in fact, He's trying to kill you. I thought about that for a minute. Actually, yeah, that's, that's true. He's trying to kill my old nature. He wants to lay me on an altar of... Sa- I need to lay myself on an altar of sacrifice. I need to crucify my flesh daily. He is trying to kill me. And raise me a new creature. 
Is that going to make me happy? Probably not. Probably the exact opposite. Will it bring me joy? Absolutely it will. Absolutely it will. I want to be Christ-like. I so desperately want to be Christ-like. Why? I'm so tired of making stupid mistakes. I'm so tired of failing Him. I'm so tired of doing the same thing over and over again. When I repent, and you should repent every morning, folks. It's an attitude. It's a lifestyle. When I do that, sometimes, <laughs> maybe I'm not in the best spot, but like God, I'm repenting of this, but I'm, I'm probably going to do something stupid again. And I'm going to have to repent again. How can you do this? How do you put up with this all the time? I can't. My kids do that. Someone close, someone close to me does that. I get frustrated with that. But he puts up with me doing that all the time. And sometimes, folks, I got to be honest. I just can't. I can't wait to get to heaven where all of that stops. And I, I'm Christ-like now. Going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. But until then, until then, I'm striving every day. I'm striving to get closer to Him, and that means I'm getting farther away from the world. I've got to move farther away from the world. I can't bring the two together. The two are not going to come together. The two are as far apart as the east is from the west. They're not coming together, and you're not going to bring them together. You got to choose, make a choice. Either you're going to go here and be a part of the world, and that's your choice, and God will let you do that. Or you can make the right choice and serve God with your life and realize that when I sign on the dotted line, I am a servant. The scripture text we read in Exodus 21 says, the servant said, he didn't say, I must not. He didn't say, I cannot. He said, I will not go free. I will not. He's making a choice. He had the, he had, it was, it was an open door. He was released from his servitude. He could have walked out a free man. He said, I will not. I love my master. And Jesus gives us that option every single day. We have the choice. Brother DeMuth said, any one of us can backslide any time we choose to. We can walk away from God. We can dive headfirst into the world. Or we can make the choice like the servant did. I will not. I love my Master. I will serve Him. Serve Him with my life. There's only two choices involved here. It's all or nothing. I've said before, we don't have the authority of line-item veto. We can't pick and choose what part of the the covenant we're going to agree to and and which parts we're going to just annul. We don't have that option. He presents it to us as a whole, and we say yes to all of it or no to all of it. That's it. If we say yes, it's yes to all of it. Every part of this book, every part of it, 
we are now responsible for. And we have the privilege of of, uh, accessing every part of this book. Every promise that's in this book is now ours. But we've got to realize who we are in the positive and in the negative sense. It's all positive, but English. The positive, of course, is that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have power. We have authority. We don't eat scraps from, that fall from the table. We eat at the Master's table. We have His name. We have the earnest of our inheritance, the gift of the Holy Ghost. The negative aspect of that is we've got to realize that He's not our buddy. He's not our chum, our piso, our homeboy. He, he's God. He is God Almighty. And even though I am His Son, even though I am His Son, He's given me His name and water baptism. If you, read, if you know anything about ancient culture, the prince, when he came before the king, he came just like everybody else. He came on his face. He did reverence and obeisance to the king. Didn't matter that I was the, I'm the son, I'm the crown prince. Didn't matter. He could have me executed just like anyone else. If I don't approach the king properly. Now I'm not saying this king is going to have us executed, but what I'm saying is this. Don't trample on his mercy. Don't trample on God's patience. When we approach him, we do it reverently. We do it in obeisance. We do it in fear and respect. Because He's the King. Not you. Not me. And I serve Him. My life is dedicated to serve Him. And whatever He asks of me, i got to give it. If I don't, if I have this attitude that, well, I can just kind of pick and choose. Yeah, that sounds... I. Do you know my personality, God? I can't talk to people like that. <clears throat> and I do struggle with that. I can't hold a conversation. This is a nice format for me because it's a monologue. If i got to try to get you to talk... Yeah, Brother Jimmy, I do not. You got my portion too. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> but God knows that. When He asked me to go talk to someone, yeah, He knows that. He created me like that. So me telling Him, well, that's not my personality, God. I'm. I don't really think that that's what you're telling me to do. When I start doing things like that, when I start telling God what He needs to do, what I need to do for Him, then we're kind of flipping the rolls around here a little, right? Now I'm kind of crawling up on the throne. When God tells me to do something, it's not a request. It's not. When the king issues a command, an edict, that's not a request. The subjects of the kingdom obey his command. Period. 
There's no question about it. There's no courts that I can go to to appeal my case, to claim my rights. There's no court involved in the kingdom of God but one. And he's the one that sits on the throne. I have no appeal. I don't need an appeal. When he tells me to do something, I do it. When he asks me to give something, I give it. When he tells me to go somewhere, I go. And I don't need to know why. It's nice. I always like to know why. I always like to know, see the big picture. Don't we all? But we don't need to. If we did need to, I promise you, God would tell you. If you don't need to, forget about it. You don't need it. Yeah, if I knew everything that I would go through to get to this point, I don't know if I might not have said yes. I don't know. Thank God I didn't know. Our second scripture verse talks about slumber. That we need to wake up. It's now time to wake out of sleep. This spiritual slumber is pervasive in our culture. It's uh, And it ties into what we just talked about, servanthood. Because when we do our own thing long enough, when we put God's edicts and His commands on the back burner long enough, and we follow our own path for our life, we follow our own desires, our own hopes and dreams, for a given length of time, that's our focus now. That's who we are now. I'm not a child of God necessarily. I'm, I'm a stock trader at XYZ Company who happens to be a Christian. And when I get to that place, I'm not focused on open doors that God presents to me. I'm not focused on the voice of God. I'm focused on other things. I'm focused on building a career, building a family. All legitimate things. Nothing wrong with them. Build a career. Absolutely. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That's Bible. Build a family. Stay faithful to your spouse. Raise your kids in the fear and in the admonition of the Lord. Amen. But our focus, who I identify with, is not an employee or a business owner. It's not even a husband or a father. I am a child of God. I am a servant of the Most High God, first and foremost. That is my highest calling. That is your highest calling. And when you fulfill that calling, Jesus said everything else is going to be freely added. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, 
where you're going to live. Don't worry about any of that. Your king knows, your master knows that you have need of all of those things. So don't worry about it. Why are you worried about it? Why would I worry about something like that? I'll tell you why. Because one, I don't believe he's going to take care of it. And two, I need to take care of it. That's why. That's why I worry. That's why I worry about anything. If I'm worried about something, it's because at some point, my faith and my trust in God is is faltering. I don't believe in my heart of hearts that He's going to be there when I need Him. And Christians, especially again in the United States, we struggle with that. We know He can. We worship God because He's able. And that's, that's awesome. He needs to be able. Thank God He is. But that's only one aspect of the equation. If that's all God is, then I'm just rolling the dice. Maybe He will, maybe He won't. I don't know. But if I also know that He will, if I know that also, my needs are met. Everything is taken care of then. I can have complete confidence and assurance in my God that whatever I have need of, not whatever I have want of, what I have need of is going to be met. All of my needs are going to be met. Not just my physical needs. My emotional needs are going to be met in Him. My spiritual needs are certainly met in Him. Every need that I have is met in Him. And if I can keep my faith and my confidence there, then I don't have to focus on a career. I don't have to focus on what's going wrong with the house or the car. Things will go wrong with the house and with the car. Don't worry about that either. It's coming. It's going to happen again. That's what things do. They break. They malfunction. But no matter what happens to us, God is faithful, He's able, and He's willing. But if I get my focus on the wrong things, I stop focusing on the spiritual and start walking in the natural, the carnal. And a carnal Christian, I don't know if there's anything worse than that. Carnal Christians struggle more than anybody else I know. They know truth. They've been exposed to it. They've even experienced the presence of God. But they can't access any of it. Not really. Things are missing in their lives. And because they're carnal, they have no idea what's missing. I go to church. I read my Bible. Why do I feel this way? There is a spiritual ignorance that we need to wake up out of in the United States. Please understand, I don't believe that any of this really applies to us as a church. 
maybe a couple individuals, I don't know, maybe someone joining online, <clears throat> maybe it's just practice the waiting. But there is a spiritual ignorance in our churches, our UPCI churches in the United States. Thank God that this church has had a heritage of good, strong Bible teachers. Worship Sister Bell, strong Bible teacher. Worship Sister Parker, strong Bible teacher. talked to a friend the other day. He goes goes to the same church that I came into church in, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And he talks to people there all the time. They've been going to church there. Not a Lutheran church, not a Catholic church, a UPCI church. Been been going there their whole lives. And there's there's accounts in the Bible that they they don't know. They've not heard it. They certainly don't know where it's at. They don't know the books of the Bible. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I came out of that church. It's not emphasized. It's not... People don't know how important it is to know the Word of God, to study it out. We're teaching a Bible study with uh, someone right now. He's a Catholic. And I said, oh, no, 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 Catholics don't read the Bible. I was like, I thought she was just kind of joking. Because as a Lutheran, at least we, we brought a Bible. You know. <laughs> I don't know who read it, but we brought one. And they're like, no, no, we don't read Bibles. We don't read the Bible. Be serious. couldn't believe that. I thought, well, I, I know the history of the Catholic Church. I know that that was in practice, but I didn't know that that's still like that. But even in, even in apostolic churches, people have no idea where we find basic doctrines. They know what's preached. They know we believe in one God. They know the plan of salvation. They have no idea what significance it has. They couldn't trace any of that back to the Old Testament to find where we get the foundations of that. There's no way that they could do that. It, it has foundations in the Old Testament? It does. Yeah. It's amazing how God orchestrated all of this. But ignorance is rampant, and it, we've got to wake up out of it. How do we do that? We know, study, memorize the Word of God. We have got to know the Word of God because the times are coming, church. I'm telling you, they're coming where people are going to tickle people's ears. It's already happening. People are coming up with these almost good doctrines, but not quite. And if you don't know Scripture, you might be well, okay, I guess that makes sense. If you knew Scripture, you know that doesn't make sense. What about this Scripture? What about this Scripture? How do you explain this then? 
as the people of God. Folks, one thing that we signed our name to is that we would be repositories of truth. God would disseminate truth through us, His people. That's one thing we agreed to when we said yes to Jesus. He doesn't just save us and we live happily ever after until He comes to get me. There's a job to do. There's work to do. There's a kingdom to build. There's a war to fight. And we've got to be equipped. We've got to be trained. We've got to be ready to do that. Ignorance. Apathy. There's also a a, a plethora of apathy in our churches today. Same reason. Getting as close to the world as I can and still at least looking like I serve Jesus. How could you not be apathetic about spiritual things when you're as close to the world as you can get? You cannot be spiritual and carnal simultaneously. You can't. The two do not mix. And they will never, ever meet. Apathetic Christians are Christians who come to church and want to be entertained. They come to church and, well, preacher will understand. I'm, I'm a little tired today. I had a bad day yesterday. Now, before I go any farther, we all have bad days, right? That's not a sin to have a bad day. Now, what we do with that bad day is another thing altogether. How we respond to that is what matters. We might have a bad week, a bad month, a bad year. 2020, a lot of people probably, that was a bad year. But how, how do we respond to that? God is still on the throne. God's still having a great year. People are getting saved all over the place. People are turning to truth everywhere. God's having a great year. Whether or not I have a good day or a bad day, that's irrelevant. In the grand scheme of things, I'd prefer a good day. Thank you, along with everyone else. But if I have a bad day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how I see God. It doesn't matter how I respond to Him. Because if I have a bad day for the rest of my life, God saved me. He paid for every one of my sins. I would have spent an eternity trying to pay for them. He wiped the slate clean. If you understood salvation in the Old Testament, you understand how awesome, how important this New Testament salvation really is. There was no forgiveness of sins in the Old Testament. It was rolled forward. They were still there. They still had to be paid by someone. It just, the debt was forgiven for a year. For another year, another year. But they're still there. They're still accumulating. When Jesus came, they were fully and completely paid. Now, when I begin to consider that, when I begin to think and and search and study and begin to understand what God did for me, 
what God is telling me about Himself in His Word, when I start pursuing these things, it's really hard for me to be apathetic. It's really hard for me to, to maintain ignorance. Because the more I know, the more I've got to know. The more I, I know about God, the more I want to know. God is worthy of all of me. Every part of me. He's worthy of my thoughts. He's worthy of my future. He's worthy of everything I have at present. He's worthy of my good days and my bad. He's worthy of my family. He's worthy of whatever life I have left on this planet. He's worthy of all of it. Because here's the, here's the absolute truth, and forgive me for being so blunt, but should the Lord tarry, all of us are going to be diet dead anyway. We're all going to die. Should the Lord tarry, there's only one way out of here, folks. That's it. Someone, a relative, a friend, someone's going to plant us. What are we going to have then? What do we have to look forward to then? If I pursue the world with all of its trinkets and shiny baubles and, and fun parties and all of that, at best, I can have a great ride for another, what do I got, 100 years, <clears throat> 96 years, I'll make 150, should the Lord tarry. If by strength of will. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> but at some point, all that fun goes away. At best, let's argue, for example, and it never ends up like that. Let's say it's fun the whole ride, the whole time through. What then? Well, now I've got to give an account for my life. How I spent it, what I said, what I did, what I didn't do, what I didn't say. We're all going to give an account. And all the excuses I told myself, and all the intellectual fortresses I built up in my own mind, are going to come crumbling down. All of my excuses are going to be absolutely worthless. And I'm going to know on that day, with a clear mind, I was wrong. I had a choice. I chose poorly. And now it's too late. Or, I can submit myself to the Lord my God in every area of my life. Everything I have is going to be in a junk pile in 5 to 10, 15 years anyway. Why not just give it to him now? I think that's a great idea. I think I will. There. It's all his now. My body is his. He can do with it as he pleases. He can throw it in prison. He can let me do this for the rest of my life. Send me somewhere else. doesn't matter. Whatever pleases him. And then, 
when all of this ends. And I have to give an account for my life. I can do so with joy. And I can hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Someone said one time, everyone wants a Savior. Nobody wants a Lord. <clears throat> Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Typically, the Lord comes first in that phrase. He's got to be our Lord. Thank God He's also our Savior. But if He's our Lord, folks, we've got to submit to Him. We've got to do those things that please Him. We've got to pursue after Him. Like, almost as if we want to spend time with Him. Almost as if we love Him more than anything else in the world. Anyone else in the world. I love my wife. I love my wife more than my own life. But I love Jesus more. And if she walks away from God, I'm not going to follow her. I'm going to follow Jesus. And I hope the same applies to her. If I walk away, go crazy, she needs to stay with Jesus. He's the one I love more than everything else, anyone else, anything else in this life. He's the one that died for me. He's the one that loved me first. Looking at it from the right perspective, it becomes very simple. It becomes very easy to make that choice when we know who it is we're serving. But we've got to know Him. We're not going to trust someone. We're not going to love someone we don't know. Someone that we hear about from afar off. That's not going to work. Get close to Him. Learn of Him. Serve Him with your life. If you find something else other than what I've found, let me know. But I'm quite certain you won't. I'm quite certain you're going to find everything that I found, and hopefully so much more. He's an infinite God, and if we spend 10,000 years getting to know Him, we'll wake up the next morning and learn something new. Because that's the kind of God we serve. When we pursue God this way, we will not be the slumbering servant. We will not be the apathetic, ignorant Christian, the carnal Christian. We will be a very powerful, spiritual Christian whom God can use to accomplish and enact His will on planet Earth. His kingdom is the one that needs to be built. His will is the will that needs to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our task, to make sure His will is accomplished here, just like it is in heaven. That's what it means to build His kingdom. Amen. We are uniquely and perfectly equipped to do exactly that. We have everything that we need. God will work with us. He will confirm His Word through us with signs following. He will manifest His power and His authority through you. He will speak words of wisdom through you. It will be Him that does the work, 
He needs you present. He needs you submitted. He needs you where he wants you to be so that he can do that. What an awesome opportunity we have. The day and age that we live in is can be scary, can be filled with a little bit of trepidation, doubt, have no idea what's coming next. But at the same time, understanding that God has all of this in control, He's on the throne, and nothing's going to sneak up on Him. It can sneak up on me, and has. But nothing sneaks up on God. He knows exactly what's coming and when and from who. <clears throat> so we just keep putting our trust and our faith and our confidence in the Lord our God. We don't have to worry about all of this stuff. Let Him direct us. Let Him lead us. Let Him use us as He would. Let Him speak through us. The whole counsel of God. When you're teaching a Bible study, let Him pour out through you. Let Him speak through you. You don't know what that individual is going through. You don't know what he or she needs. God does. And God will give you the right words to say. It's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing to be used of God to that extent. Amen. What a hope we have, church. What a task we have in front of us. Praise God. Let's all stand. Knowing what we know about God, knowing what we know about the truths in His Word, because we are not ignorant, we are learned. Learned because God has taught us, God has revealed to us wisdom, knowledge, instruction. We have bought the truth and we've sold it not. We value truth more than anything else. Amen. Because we know these things.